Rodananian. He's the kind of guy that walks into a room when you've got a fire going and he'll tell you, hey, the fireplace needs to be cleaned because there's just a little bit of smoke in the room and he'll be the one guy that notices it where most people will just say, ah, that's normal, it's a fire. And I still think about you every time I'm riding in my car. The Car Doctor. I don't know why they do it, but every snowplow guy I've ever seen also ties into that ground for the snowplow. And sometimes they don't exactly tighten it. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ronnie Nini, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. More information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. Podcasting out there as well. Keep in mind, we are live on the network Saturday afternoon. 2 to 4 p.m. East Coast time. You can go out to cardoctorshow.com, find the link for podcasts, get over and pick it up off of Spreaker or any one of a multitude of other places. Tune in, iTunes, so on, and uh, take the radio show with you wherever you want to go as you can podcast us as well, and we thank you for doing that. Um, a lot going on this hour, as always. We're going to be giving away this hour for sure a Super Chips Dash Pack Plus from uh, the folks over at Superchips, superchips.com. It is a custom tuner, electronic tuner. It does um, all sorts of uh, tuning and modifying. You can tune everything from late model muscle cars to your Chevy truck, to your Ford truck, to your so on and so forth. It's um, it's a great tuning device. We're giving away one of those this hour. Decision of the judges, Mikey and Tom, are final, is final, uh, whatever the case might be. So you can look forward to that. But right now, let's kick the garage doors open, and let's go over and talk to Michael in Illinois, 96-1500 Chevy with a crank nose start. Michael, you're not on the side of the road and you're stuck, are you? I mean, this is in your driveway. It's a crank nose start, right? Michael? Michael? Yes. Hello? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are you there? I, yeah. I can you hear me? Yes, sir. Now I can. Mikey Mikey here had a... Um, he got excited. He had a piece of cake for lunch and it was just... Uh, he was, he's a chocolate cake fanatic and he just... You know, he just he was overloaded by oh I got to push a button. So what am I paying you guys in there for? Um, uh, you're not stuck on the side of the road, right? This is in your driveway, where I assume it's a crank no start. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, in my yeah. driveway. Tell me about it. What's going on? Yeah, so it started uh, a couple months ago. Um, it would start fine unless it was raining out or it had been raining earlier in that day. Then right. it would not start for anything. Okay. Um, but on the next dry day, it would start right up. Um, then it get, started giving me more and more trouble. And then one day it threw a P0300 at me. So I researched that a little bit, replaced the distributor, the cap, the rotor, ignition coil, all the plugs, all the wires, put a new battery in it. After I did all that, it started right up just fine. I was running it for probably a half hour, idled it, revved it up, drove it around town. It was it was perfect. And then I haven't been able to get it to start since. Um, now, sometimes when I try to start it, because um, it sounds like it just almost wants to turn over, but it's just not. But occasionally it'll sound like the engine stops rotating for just a second and then it starts rotating right back up again so it, it it's it's it'll crank and then all of a sudden it just like you release the key and then it continues to crank yeah and you obviously you don't let off the key you you you're, you're right there with it in a sense 
Yeah, I just keep going, and it'll only be about a second, and then it'll start spinning again like normal. Do you, do you have access to a scan tool, Mike? Yes, I have one of those little cheapy ones off okay. of Amazon. Um, and you're saying it's it, it, it brought you up a P0300 right now. Are there any fault codes in it? Um, there are not now, no. The P0300 went away, um, and then I scanned it for codes again when it was running that one time I got it to run, and it's right now not throwing any codes okay. at me. You got a fuel pressure gauge? I do, yeah. I hooked that up. Um, it's given me 62 PSI initially, and then after a couple of seconds, it drops down to about 45. Okay, and then it holds that 45 for... 15 minutes, 20 minutes? Uh, probably. I mean, I've only I've only left the key on in that position. It was maybe five minutes, but it, it held steady there. Well, well, no, you should be able to, you know, hook the gauge up, turn the key on without even cranking it, and there should be a prime from the pump. It, it should prime the rail, all right? Yeah, I can hear that, yeah. Okay, and then, and then the pump will stop, and it should hold what we call residual fuel pressure, across the 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 rail uh, you know there's an argument in the industry you hear from time to time some guys say 24 hours some guys say eight hours ron says 20 minutes 20 minutes is close enough horseshoes and hand grenades and i and, and i say that for a pile of reasons i'm not going to get into here but you know 20 minutes to a half hour you should see some form of residual pressure it should hold it for at least 15 minutes, especially on an older vehicle, you know, the concern becomes, what are you going to start chasing? Uh, you don't want to chase too much. If if you turn the key off and pressure drops like a stone, then we've got a fuel problem in that. And this, this should be, is this a 350? Is this the 350, the 5.7 liter R motor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then this has, the, this has the spider web under the intake plenum. Yes. And they're prone to leaving, sticking one of the poppets open such that it'll cause a drop in fuel pressure. And I'm just trying to be as exact as I can because I'm thinking about your, it, 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 it cranks funny comment. You know, yeah. is it, do I have, do I have a poppet valve filling a cylinder with fuel that it goes into a mild case of hydrostatic lock? Okay. Right? It can't compress liquid. Yeah. All right. So, you know, I want to know what residual fuel pressure does. Next, what's going on with spark? Don't assume because everything's new or most of this is new, it still has spark. It, you know, now that it doesn't start, let's check for spark. Let's let's pull the wire off the coil from the distributor, and does the coil put out spark? Yes or no? All right. I have not checked that yet. Yeah, let's go back to basics. If 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 this truck was put in your driveway and you didn't know any history of anything that was done to it, how would you diagnose it? Fuel, spark, and mechanical. Right? Okay. Hook up your scan tool, bring up engine RPM and look at it. Crank the car, turn the key, crank the engine. If, okay. if if this were a healthy vehicle, you should see an RPM signal on the scan tool in 96. They were capable of generating cranking RPM. Okay. If, if you don't, then we've got to have an additional conversation next week talking about how to diagnose a potentially bad crank sensor. Okay. All right. So just, you know, that's where I would go with this. 
Um, I, I've seen a lot of bad new parts and a lot of ever since and ever since it just became that it was something else in reality. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So let's uh, let's let's attack it like that. Okay. All right, sir. Sounds good. All right. So let's Thank let's let's go much. look at. You're very welcome. You look at those things and you call me back, and I'll be glad to help All you right. again. You're welcome, Michael. You take good care. Let's go over to Bob in Maine. Bob, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. How you doing today? Good. What's going on? Hey, I uh, just wanted to get the word out. Um, I uh, called you, I emailed you last week about uh, my 2018 Ford F-150. got a 5-liter V8. Okay. I noticed this time around that uh, I had been consuming over a quart of oil in less than 3,000 miles. Okay. So since I, since I emailed you there uh, last weekend, I think it was Sunday, I did a little research, got online, cut, uh, got on some forums, and I guess there is a TSB on the Ford 2018 5-liter V8s. Okay. And there is uh, Ford's admitted to excessive oil consumption, and the TSB number is 19-2058. And um, I guess a lot of guys from what I've talked have been to Ford, and um, they've been putting them through this protocol and this TSB, and uh, if they burn less than a quart in 3K, uh, they will not replace the motor. If it is over one quart and three K, they'll put a brand new long block in it. Right. Yeah, because there's, there's actually yeah. there's actually an updated bulletin to that also. Um, I know there it. Is. I know it as nineteen dash twenty one thirty three. It came out uh, May of this year. Um, and yeah, they are they are doing some oil consumption tests. Or I know it as a different bulletin okay. number. I don't know if it's newer or older than yours. Um, uh, but yeah, they're 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 aware of it. I've heard of it. Um, I'm not sure what they did wrong. Uh, what's going on? What makes them want to do that? But uh, yeah, I went uh, I went on a couple forums, and I guess uh, when they started to revamp the the uh, F-150 in 2011, they got rid of the 5.4, went to the 5.0 with the aluminum block. And from what I can understand, they were running steel sleeves in the cylinders for the pistons. And then I guess an engineer got a bright idea to let's go with a plasma-coated cylinder instead. And from what I've seen on forums, I guess a lot of guys are saying that the rings aren't seating, and that's why they're burning this oil. Yeah. and, and I you, guess some dealers have been really good with guys, others not so good. And um, one guy said he was burning over two quarts in 5K. He was changing his oil every 5,000 miles, but I guess... Ford's aware of it, just wanted to get the word out. Any guys that have that 5-liter 2018 V8, uh, they might want to contact the dealer and keep an eye on their oil. Well, yeah, that, and here's a case where having a relationship with the guy that sold you the car, the dealership in this case, is good because, uh, you know, if you bring it to their attention, I'm sure they'll take care of it, and, you know, they realize that... Yeah. They realize it's... Yeah, no, I talked to... Yeah, the, the, right here in town where I live, I purchased a truck right here from the dealer in town where I live, and uh, they've been really good. Yep. And uh, they're aware of it. Um, they did some... They uh, looked up, found the TSB, and then we're going to do the oil consumption test. I'm going in July 2 for the oil change. It's that truck's only got 9,000 miles on it. And uh, they're going to do the oil consumption test. And I was pretty reassured by the head mechanic. If you know, if it doesn't pass, they they will put a new long block mm -hmm. in it, no problem. Yeah, see, good, good. Are you gonna Are you gonna tow with this truck at all, Bob? 
Uh, I do some towing with it. Uh, I have a trailer, just a regular utility trailer, um, like a 7 by 14 size. You know, uh, I don't do a lot of towing, just once in a while. Right. Right. Well, you know what? We're going to make your life a little easier, not just for the towing, but for the truck overall. We're going to be sending out a Super Chips Dash Pack Plus to you. You can hook it up to this 18 Ford F-150. You can custom tune different configurations, make this truck give you a little bit more power in the mid-range, or it can give you more torque to pulling off the line if you are towing this trailer or anything else. So stay on the line. Let Tom get your information. You can read more about the Super Chips Dash Pack Plus over at superchips.com. And thanks for being part of the Car Doctor family. I'm Ron Anani and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Let's get over to Nick in Missouri. Nick, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, Ron, I got a ABS light that's been on for quite a while, and I finally took it to uh, just a local place, and uh, and they said the sensor was back, uh, was bad that goes on the on the back differential, we put it on, and that didn't fix it. Okay. And so we started started checking the wiring and stuff, and and in the process, he unplugged the wiring harness and was checking to see about power and whatever. Well, the fuel pumps on that too, so then it ran out of gas. But we plugged it back in, started back up later on a while. Well, he unplugged to do some more checking, and it ran out of gas again, naturally. So then plugged it back in and and just kind of. Ran out of time and gave up for that day, but but now uh, now it's got a miss in it, and check engine light comes on, and so I don't know what they've. Well, let's, yeah, I, I feel you, brother. I'm sorry. Um, let's back up. Let's go back to the ABS issue. Do you remember the trouble code? Was it a 500 or a 1502 or something like that? No, I don't. I don't know. Does does the speedometer work? Yes, sir. Okay. So the speedometer works, but the ABS light's on and the check engine light's on, and it's got a miss to it. Yeah, it does now. Why? Before, before, before it was just an ABS light. <laughs> oh, this is not good. I didn't, didn't get this check engine stuff until they unplugged the thing and ran out of gas a couple of times. Now, yeah. whether that's related or not, I don't know. Well, it, no, nah, it's not. But why is it running out of gas? Does the gas gauge work? Well, yeah, but see, he, he unplugged the wiring harness to when it was doing some checking with an ohmmeter or whatever to see if it was getting power, you know, to shoot it back to the sensor in the in the back. So, so, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to have to keep working another 20 years. Yeah, we put, um, put a new sensor on, and that didn't do any good. Well, wait, wait, wait a second. Let's go back to the gas thing. <laughs> so, you know, before he disconnected the gas sending unit to look at, how does he, how did he dis? How did he disconnect the gas tank sender and not disconnect the fuel pump? How does the truck keep running? Well, I'm assuming it was the fuel pump because it was in the wiring harness. He undid, undid the whole wiring harness, the plug-ins, okay. and was checking, checking to see about power. Have you, know. have you been to this guy before? Well, yeah, but it's a it's a local guy. I mean, and they're they're good boys, but they're not really. I shouldn't have went. Be quite honest about it. For that, for that, for that. And but I did, and now it's right too late. Now you know. So I, I guess part of this conversation has to be is I, I sort of need to know what codes I'm fighting. Well, right. I don't have any. Yeah. Yeah. So if can you get that for me and call me back next week? 
he just told me he just told me that through a code that said it was the said it was the back you know the back sensor. Okay. And that's why they replaced it. But then you ever get I a, didn't do it. You, you ever get an earache, Nick? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And you go to the doctor, and he says you got an earache. He doesn't put an ear on you, right? There's yeah. there's always yeah. so, there's always something that causes that earache. Whether I know, whether, you know, it's it's so there's no well, there's no trouble code that when it's there it means that part needs to be replaced. About the only yeah. time you run into that on a modern car is if it has like a P0601, which is an internal module failure on the vehicle computer. And boy, 99.9% yeah. .9 of the time, a 601 on any vehicle leads to a module. It, it just yeah. does. Well, uh, after you got all that other stuff done and, and put the, uh, put the, the, the uh, scanner back on it, it's got, it's got three... It's got three deals on it now, and one of them is some kind of a module. Okay. In fact, two of them, I think. But there's three of them on there, and he can't clear them off because, you know, it just. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when he when he put that sensor on, you know, they had some of that scanner thing. They that they tested, and the and the two ABS in the front they are working, but ne neither one of them in the back are. Okay, so. So we've got so we've got no signal out of the rear ABS. I guess that would be right. Yeah, and, and now whenever I put the brake on, it makes that. I suppose it's that ABS pump kicking in or something. You know how right. it sounds. Right, the, the the pedal vibrates. Right, and I and I usually you have to press on it pretty hard to get it to do that, but now it doesn't take a whole lot of pressure, and I'm getting that. And getting the that and the ABS light is still on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. Here's, here's what we want to do. All right. Do we still have the old part? Uh, yes, but, but they broke it getting it out. Mm. Okay. Here's what I want you to do with them. Cl write everything down as far as codes. Clear all the codes. Take it for a ride. What comes back? Diagnose that. The ABS problem is likely not related to the engine performance problem unless it has something to do with the wiring harness that the fella unplugged and started picking apart. Do those steps. Call me back next week. We'll dive into this a little deeper. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Running into the car doctor. Let's get over to Jerry in New York. Jerry, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. You're very um, welcome. I have a 07 Jeep, and I'm throwing some codes with the Hemi. Okay. It's uh, the solenoid. Uh, sounds like the solenoid. Uh, they dropped the valves. The P3449, 34441. 401-425. Yep. Yeah. Um. Uh, did it, did these all come up at, at once, Jerry? It was just one day they were not there, yeah, and then one day all, all of them came up at once, and it just started happening, right? It just yeah, this all started happening. With it. I thought one time it uh, was low on oil. I thought that was a problem, but uh, it cleared the codes, and it just all came back again. Right. You know, I, I've seen this as a, as a multiple system failure, per se, and... This this has to do with this has um, uh, MDS on it the um, uh, where it'll go from four to eight cylinder mode. 
correct. Correct, yeah. And, you know, when it's just one fault code, it's usually the solenoid. And I don't want everybody to just jump on and start changing just solenoids every time it's one. There's a process you can go through. You know, I've, I've seen in some cases wiring harness issues, which is kind of tough to deal with because you end up putting a wiring harness in the engine compartment. But a lot of times this becomes a PCM, the powertrain control module. And if you were to read a flow chart for each individual code, you'll notice that they talk about checking for power and grounds, and you know they, they, they kind of walk you through for uh, uh, consistency of the harness. You know What they're setting it for, what their concern is, is the solenoid for number six, let's say, is it shorted? Is it shorted or open? Is there a short to ground? What's going on with it? So they want to walk you through wiring harness tests pin by pin. Have you done any of that? Not yet. No, I just was uh, trying to do some more research on this. Right. It just seems odd that, you know, the whole, like, form would go off at once. Right. So, you know, I, I, I know from the codes you gave me, it's cylinder six, it's cylinder four. Is it cylinder two? Uh, cylinder one and cylinder seven. So we'd have to look, what's the relationship with those? I'd almost be willing to bet. That's half the that's that's the half that shuts down in four cylinder mode or is active in four cylinder mode. You know they they they're going to split two on each side from from the shutdown. So one and seven sounds right because they would be uh, opposite relation crank up top dead. Um, they would be opposite of the others where the pistons are in their stroke. They've got to balance. They can't shut down the right side of the motor and let the left side run. It wouldn't work. They have to shut it down in relation to where the pistons are on the crank and whether the, whether the piston's up or down. One and seven and four and eight would be equal distance apart from each other that they would allow themselves to be shut down without causing a vibration or, or a, ch a change in how smooth the engine ran, if you follow what I'm saying. So mm -hmm. we're, look, we're looking for something common to those four cylinders, not likely it's solenoids. All right. It would be okay. it would be really weird that you failed all four solenoids at once. So right, right. I, I, go ahead. No, I, I agree with you. I just that doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. That would that right. would go out and So I would get a look at a wiring diagram. You know, how do they feed power to those solenoids? Is it one five volt reference or one twelve volt reference? Whatever it is going up to that solenoid from one source, or they, I think they're individual wires leading to the solenoids, but I believe there's a separate ground. I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I've, I've played with one of these. But, you know, is there a separate ground leg that would account for if you lost that ground, you'd lose those four cylinders and set those four codes? Okay. All right? All right. If, if, if this comes out to be where power and ground all comes from the PCM... If you clear the code, how long does it take for it to come back? It only took like uh, not even an hour. Okay. So if you clear it and they come back or it doesn't come back right away, if you massage or manipulate the harness while it's sitting there idling in the driveway, can you get the fault codes to come up? I didn't try that, but I'll, I'll give that a shot then. All right. Well, but but you're going to need a wiring right. diagram for this to see how those solenoids are wired in relation to each other and in relation to the overall harness. Okay. 
All right. And, uh, you know, the other thing you want to think about is you may very well need a PCM for this. It would not be the most unusual thing in the world because I think they both go back to a common driver in the PCM. And that would make sense that you would lose all four because the PCM has a bad singular driver that feeds that side. Okay. And if it was that, uh, my, would you know what that would run about? First of all, you got to see if it's still available, and, and I and I say okay. that I say that in all seriousness. I spoke to someone this week with an 06 Wrangler that needs a PCM, and he said, "Do you think you could get one?" And I was thinking, "Yeah, why not?" And I called Chrysler up, and they said, "Yeah, it's discontinued." <laughs> yeah. So you know, are they out there? I'm sure. I'm sure they're out there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're available. It's just a matter of how hard can we look. Uh, you know, it's it's. You want to keep in mind if you do buy something, because if you're doing this yourself, you're going to have to have it flashed, which means you're going to end up taking it to the dealer. If you can find, there are some aftermarket sources I've seen that are claiming if you give them the VIN, they'll they'll pre-flash the PCM and then ship it to you, and maybe that's the way to go. Okay. If that's if that's what it, if that's what it comes out to be. All right. Take okay. my take my email right. take my email, Jerry. Ron at cardoctorshow dot com. If if you need uh -huh. a if you need a wiring diagram or something, just send me an email and I'll see what I can find for you. I'll try and help you a little bit if I can. Appreciate that very much. Thank All right. you. You're very well you're very welcome. You take good care. Good luck to you. So yeah. Sorry, Jerry. Um yeah, it's a tough you know, and that's the problem as the cars age. You're you're not just fighting the problem. You're fighting the technology. Can you still get the part? Can you get the information? And then when you do get the part, does it need to be reflashed? You know, at what point will a repair shop or a dealer still have access to all the computer software updates and all the flashing and all the, you know, it's, I always go back to the, the comparison. If you had to go out and buy a floppy disk drive today, could you? If you had to update a Windows 3.1 computer, could you? It's getting hard to find updates for Windows 7, Okay. So, you know, technology has its, has its pluses and its minuses, and it's, uh, sometimes you have to fall on your sword in order to fix the car. It becomes a big issue. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the end of The Car Doctor. Y you know, it was midweek at the shop, and... As as we go through the day, as we go through the week, different things come up. And and in terms of what makes the repair successful and what doesn't, this week I we we had a situation where it, it was a parts issue, and it was a case that the brake pads we were using were both wrong for a particular car, and it didn't make any sense. I looked at the part number. I looked at it by application. They were both, they, one was still in its bubble wrap. The other one was not. And I said, how could, how could this be wrong? It was, it said it's supposed to be a, a 1449 set of pads. It was a 1449 set of pads. The other one was supposed to be a 1232 set of pads. And it said 1232, but the wrapper had been broken. Kind of goofed up the day a little bit. We had a you know, call up, getting fresh pads, fresh pads came down. And when the fresh pad set showed up, the 14 series pads were really the 12 series pads, and the 12 series pads were completely wrong. 
And what had happened was the, the parts house went backwards and 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 sort and you know traced it. They can trace who bought what last and so on. And it turns out somebody had returned them, and they had just thrown things in a box and didn't care. And, and subsequently, it creates chaos on this side. And I thought about that. How much that. You know, it's amazing auto repair works as good as it does. <laughs> it really is. When you think about all the moving pieces and all the potential for problems that can exist in, in, in the course of a day, it's it's kind of a staggering thing that, that you can get as many cars out in the course of a day as you can. Nationally, how many cars get fixed on, on any given day? There's a new sign going up in the shop this week. It's... You know, it's going to say everything is going to take a lot longer than you think. Because it does. And whether you're just doing a brake repair or a diagnosis or a, a computer flash, everything just takes longer. And, you know, as much as the problem is you have on your jobs, all right, you know, what coworkers not happy, who got in late, who got, who was out late, who got in at the wrong time, who didn't show up at all. When you stop to think of how many, auto repair is a very hands-on industry is what I'm trying to say. And when you stop and think about how many hands have to be involved in order to get one thing there, in order to deliver one set of brake pads, it, it probably goes through a half a dozen set of hands and a driver and a counterman. And that doesn't include the guy who delivered it in the 18-wheeler and they, they pulled it out of the truck and put it on the shelf until we needed it. When you stop and think about that, it's it's kind of a crazy number. And the potential for somebody misboxing, somebody dropping something, it, you know, it, it goes up exponentially and you say to yourself, wow, I'm really amazed it worked out as good as it did. We had a, a late model Toyota, it was. No, Subaru, I'm sorry, a Subaru that had a problem with an ignition coil. It had a bad coil. We put a coil on it, and it lasted a month. And it was kind of weird because it was a very good brand. It, it, it was it was OE, but not from the dealer because a lot of the dealer stuff can be purchased outside by the original manufacturer. And it failed, and we put another one on, and the car's since gone, and the car's fixed. It's not a question of that. But I said, why? You know, what, what made that? Like, I don't buy a kid around with you guys. And I say, yeah, new, never, ever worked. I, I get that. But I'm always looking for a reason. you got to be like a pit bull in this business. And I called the manufacturer hotline. And I spoke to them, and they said, likely what happened is prior to us getting it, the part got dropped in the box. And I said, you're kidding. And they said, no. They said, as a matter of fact, we've had a few complaints with that particular part number. We've got to put more packing in the box to ensure that it can take a three-foot fall. <laughs> Think about that, right? Now we have to worry about when somebody drops the part before it gets to us, because what they're saying is there's, there's, capac there's capacitors and conductors inside that electronic device, and when they dropped it, something couldn't stand the impact, and it made it more fragile. Even though it's ensconced, encompassed in this coil pack, it still doesn't insulate it and protect it in the event that it falls from, you know, two and a half, three feet up. Cars were a lot simpler 50 years ago. 
I don't know where they're going to be 50 years from now. I can only imagine. My point is, everybody, me, the guy fixing it, you, the guy driving it, the other guy that's selling it, everybody has to learn to think of cars differently. Don't say, well, this is the way my dad did it 50 years ago. Unless it's work ethic and you get up every day and go to work, I get that. But to say, this is the specific way we took care of a car 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 5 years ago, last week, might be not not a correct term anymore. So, technology changes. We have to change with it. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Back. We're on the name of the car doctor here, 855-560-9900. Keep in mind that phone number is 24-7. You can call 855-560-9900 anytime, day or night. If this show's not on the air, leave a message. Tom Ray, executive producer, chief cook, and bottle washer will get you in the next live broadcast, and uh, we get to talk to you. So, um, you know, always good to talk to us. A bunch of things going on. We're doing T-shirts again. we got to get some. i got to get. Well, I'm going to start with RE Automotive T-shirts, and we're going to gradually progress into the new Design Car Doctor T-shirt. I finally found somebody that uh, that, that will print them and, uh, you know, make it affordable for us so we can, you know, get everybody some T-shirts. Um, Fourth of July is upon us. Wow. Like, you know, I hate to say it and to be, you know, ne- negative Nancy, but it's going to be Fourth of July. Whoosh, Labor Day, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Can I get my candy cane now? It's over. But I do want to point out, courtesy of the Car Care Council, carcare.org, that it is a good time to get a checklist done and uh, do so this week coming up before you leave Fourth of July weekend to go do some traveling. You want to allow for holiday traffic, maybe leave a little earlier, obviously. Uh, If you haven't had the car looked at, if it's been a year since the last physical as I like to call it, now's a good time to do it. Uh, you know, Rich White, executive director of the Car Care Council, points out a pre-trip, a pre-trip vehicle check helps determine if a vehicle is ready for the road so you can avoid the inconvenience, potential safety hazards, and unplanned expense of breaking down miles from home. With summer vacation upon us, a thorough vehicle inspection will give you peace of mind and make your journey safer. And keep in mind, that look, even though, you know, I had a customer come in the other day driving a 2006 Toyota Camry, and, you know, I said, listen, let's do a checklist. And he says, yeah, but I only, you know, my wife only goes, it's only 14 miles to work. She works over the GW Bridge in the Bronx. If you haven't been to New Jersey, that's not far, right? I said, yeah, but she's on the Cross Bronx Expressway every day. Otherwise known around here as Pothole Alley. All right, you know, one shot to a strut, one shot to a tire. What's what's the undercarriage of that vehicle look like? Let's do a checklist at least once a year, probably on that car twice a year. So getting a checklist done to your car if you tell me, yeah, the car is two years old, if you drive in Pothole Alley, you're going to want to have that checklist done once a year regardless. So the Car Care Council also suggests that the vehicle owners check the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration website, nhtsa.gov, slash recall to see if there's any recalls on their vehicle. You can enter the VIN and see if your car has any defects before leaving on vacation. NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Authority, Car Care Council, carcare.org, and Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. CarDoctorShow.com reminds everybody, buckle up for every trip, buckle up before you leave, plan for the unexpected, and you'll have a great time. Enjoy the 4th. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor reminding each and every one of you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.